Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk about the upcoming session of the Indiana General Assembly. Mary Catherine Carmichael could not be with us today, but I have two guests here in the studio. Uh, State Senator Vi Simpson, who's a Democrat representing District 40, that includes Monroe and Brown counties, and Representative State Representative Milo Smith, who's from District 59, which is uh, Bartholomew and Johnson County, part of Bartholomew and part of Johnson County. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811-877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Vi, welcome back to you. Thank you. Thanks it's nice to be here. here. Vi's been here a number of times. And Milo Smith, for your first time. Thank you. The fre- freshman representative, and he's invi- uh, Milo's a Republican and Vi's a Democrat. So we have Republican, Democrat, Senate, House. So we've got it all covered here today. All right. So we could talk about uh, probably two issues for the entire time. So we'll, we might as well sort of set the stage that way. One is tax reform. Um, there are some proposals out there for tax reform. The governor made a big proposal. Uh, about, what, six weeks ago or so, and then there have been other other proposals. And then the second uh, big issue is reorganizing county government um, through the, the Kernan-Shepard Commission report. So I know there's going to be a lot of discussion about both those things in the, in the legislative session that's coming up. So, Vi, let's start with you. Let's talk about uh, tax reform. What do you think is going to happen with tax reform? Well, first of all, not to correct you, Bob. Well, you can correct me as much as you want. <laughs> but it isn't tax reform. I wish it was tax reform. Un- unfortunately, we're just focusing on property it's property taxes. tax reform. Yeah. And okay. property taxes is just one small part of the entire tax structure. Although, although there are other other taxes that will be affected if property tax reform possibly possibly, possibly. possibly yes. uh, the problem with considering just property taxes out of context of the entire tax structure is that you you don't see the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so one of my concerns is that we're doing something as complicated as property taxes, which is very complicated uh, by itself, uh, without looking at the big picture of all the tax structure, who pays, how much, and and where do the revenues go once they're collected uh-huh. uh, for what services. And, uh, and thirdly, we're doing all of it in two and a half months. So and, it is a short uh, session. It is a short session, yeah. and so we have to be done by March 14th. Uh, and so uh, my fear is that we've raised everyone's expectations. They expect that we're going to come in, going to fix it, whatever they perceive the problem to be. And um, and I'm afraid that they may be disappointed in uh, in the end work product. Uh, the, the governor has a proposal. The tax commission has a proposal. There are something like 25 different proposals. Uh, there are some uh, some things that are the same in all of them. Uh, there are also some very unique uh, issues in in each of them. And so it's it's a big job ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and Milo here is a, a freshman, and so uh, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Milo, a few uh, preliminary words about this big property tax reform issue? Well, if I could give a little background since it's my first visit. Sure. Uh, I'm a small businessman, have been for 30 years, and I correct property tax assessments for a living and have for 18 years throughout the state of Indiana. So when someone calls me with a problem on their property tax bill, I look at their assessment and make corrections. And uh, I was challenged to help all taxpayers throughout the state of Indiana by sharing the 18 years of experience I have. And so that's why I ran for state representative, was to help make this system easier for the average individual to understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how good of a system you have, if the average individual or the taxpayer doesn't understand it, it's not a good system. Mm -hmm. And we need to make a lot of changes to it because of that. Well, it sounds like we have two uh, good people to talk to today because, Vi, um, I recall you've talked about um, the the tax system in Indiana for many years. Years. How complex it is, and how there need there needs to be reform, not just in property tax, the property tax system, but in the entire tax system. And Milo, it sounds like you're in in sort of in the trenches, in the with, trenches with the property tax issue. So, what? Uh, I'll turn back to Milo. I mean, what what are some of the key things that make the system so complex that you think could be simplified? It needs to be simplified. In fact, when I started this business in the statute, it said that the forms that were used to appeal your assessment need to be easy for the average individual to understand. I made the assumption if the forms were supposed to be easy for the average individual to understand. The process should be as well. And the process is it's real confusing. And in fact, I'll start with 
uh, Indiana Code 6-1.1-31-5 states that true tax value is not fair market value and the rules established by the DLGF, then the State Board of Tax Commissioners, must be followed. Mm-hmm. Well, the State Board of Tax Commissioners then wrote in 50 IAC 2.3-1-1 that the rules don't have to be followed. It's the bottom line that counts. So when you have an appeal now as a taxpayer, you say you wanted to appeal yours, Bob, on your home, mm-hmm. and you walked into the assessor, and the assessor doesn't have to follow the rules. They can get to that bottom line however they want to, and then you have to prove that they're wrong. That has no credibility at all. And why under a system of laws that we – a system of government that follows rules and laws, why would you have any type of system where you don't have to quantify that assessment? And the taxpayers are really confused when they're – said, well, will your house sell for that? Well, maybe and maybe not. I haven't gone out and gotten an appraisal. But what about my neighbor's house over there? And it's very similar in value. His is at 150 and mine's 200. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Well, you're the taxpayer. You have to prove we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to oversimplify this, but how <laughs> – what would you do? How would you fix that? I have a bill uh-huh. that I've introduced, one of my five, <laughs> and it says that Indiana Code 6-1.1, which states that the rules must be followed, uh, be applied, and 50 IAC 2.3-1-1 that says that the rules don't have to be followed will be voided mm-hmm. and that every assessment has to follow a set of guidelines. Mm-hmm. And this trending concept where we're under right now where it sounds really great that your assessment's based on what it would sell for – based upon a market value system, sounds great until you get in the trenches and try to work that and to see how comparable it is to your neighbor's assessment Mm -hmm. or a a similar property, like if it's a convenience store or a a shopping center. Uh, Those assessments are not uniform and equal throughout the state. And I believe that's because we have 1,092 different assessors, which is one of the proposals that's on the table now to uh, whittle that down to 92 where one person's in charge. I'd like to take that a little bit, one person for each county. I'd like to take that a little bit further and someone needs to be over those 92 saying these are the rules and these are the rules that need to be followed so that we have uniform and fair assessments throughout the state of Indiana in all 92 counties. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what agency that would be. It mm-hmm. might be the State Board of Accounts. It might be DLGF. But someone has to have control to make for certain that all ni- – if we whittle it down to 92, that all 92 counties are assessing properties the same way in a, in a system that's easy for the average individual to understand. And until we have a system that is easy for the average individual to understand, no one's going to have – that system isn't going to have any credibility. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good it is. The taxpayer has to have some confidence in the system. Okay. Bye. I think Milo brings up a good point, and that is that we're really looking at three different things here when we talk about property taxes. Uh, one of those things is process, which is right. what Milo's speaking to. Um, and it's it's nice to have someone in the General Assembly who has uh, been around property taxes enough to know the difference between a levy and a tax rate. Thank you. One of uh, one of the issues I've always had is some of our colleagues have never uh, still don't get the difference, and uh, they mix up the terms, and they're very very different things. That's right. And let's uh, explain to our listeners: the levy is the amount of money that you can raise. The um, levy is the total amount, total amount of money for a, raised for a particular taxing unit uh-huh. from. Uh, property taxes. Mm-hmm. The rate, of course, is is how much is the percentage that you're going to pay uh, based on your individual assessed valuation. Right. The rate is the last thing to be determined. And so it's always assessed valuation, then levy, then rate. And mm-hmm. everybody uses those terms interchangeably yeah. like and how, it gets very confusing. But, it, but really, it's how much you're going to raise and then it's sort of how much of the pie I'm going to contribute. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, But that's only one piece of what's being considered in this little two-and-a-half-month short session. The other piece is, uh, or one of the other pieces, and and maybe the one that the public is more directly concerned about, is how much are they paying and how much are – will the state be able to contribute uh, to re- further reduce the amount of property taxes that each individual is paying without disrupting the services at the local government level uh, and at the school level. Remembering that property taxes, of course, is not collected to pay for state services. We don't spend that money. That uh, all, Most of that money, 99 percent of that money goes to pay for local services, police, fire, leaf pickup, those kinds of things, and for schools. Um, and so those the process is one. 
uh, the amount of property tax relief that the state might be able to offer or the, or the tools that we might give to local government to uh, offer more relief uh, to the taxpayer is number two. And number three is are we being the most efficient that we can be in terms of, of uh, how our government functions at the local level or at the school level? And, there, and, and that, of course, is where the Kernan-Shepard report comes in uh, and other proposals that are on the table in terms of, of uh, do we need uh, over 1,000 different assessing officials? Uh, uh, does, do townships... Uh, as a form of government, ha- make a contribution anymore in today's world, uh, which is certainly a debatable point that will be debated, I'm sure. Uh, do we need uh, all of the different autonomously elected officials at the county level, for instance, or should there be more professional appointments, a county executive and other kinds of discussions? So, so those kinds of things, efficiency of local government and how much each individual pays, how much relief we're going to be able to offer, and what Milo was talking about, which is process of the assessment process and the appeals process. All three of those things have to be addressed if we're going to do, if we're going to do this project right mm-hmm. in two and a half months. <laughs> we have a couple of huge issues that are facing the legislature this year. There are several huge issues, and we're talking about them today with State Senator Vice Simpson, from Bloomington and State Representative Milo Smith, who's from Columbus. And uh, if you want to join us on the program, please phone 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Let me ask about a couple of specifics involved in uh, – I guess the proposal I'm most familiar with is the governor's proposal because mm-hmm. it came out with a lot of fanfare. Um, and, and his proposal talked about – and you can – one of you or both of you can give me the exact uh, uh, proposal about capping the assessment um, at 1 uh, percent. On homeowner properties. Homeowner properties. So could you explain that? Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, the governor has proposed putting a cap on your primary residence, the house that you have a homestead filed on at 1 percent of your assessed value. And I was hoping to lead in – you would lead me in that question because I also believe that we need to take that one step further. If under the current system, under trending, your assessor can raise your assessment annually. So if my assessment is $100,000 today, the maximum of my property taxes could be if this 1 percent cap is approved is 1 percent of 100000 which would be $1,000. If my assessment is increased next year to 120,000 or 150,000, then my taxes can be limited to only 1500 dollars. So they could have gone up, they could have gone up 50 percent. So I believe taxpayers are looking for more stability in their homeowner property tax bill. And I, other states have it like Florida, and I am going to propose that we limit the maximum the assessment can be increased regardless of what the market's doing so that taxpayers will know how much their tax bill is going to be from one year to the next. Mm-hmm. And right now, under the current system with trending, where you can adjust that assessment every year, conceivably your assessment could, could go up drastically. I mean, it could go up uh, 20, 50, 100 percent. In fact, that's what happened in the, to a lot of the Marion County properties. Some of those assessments went up 2, 3, and 400 percent, which drastically increased those homeowners' tax bills. Mm-hmm. And but, if we but change, that doesn't mean that necessarily that their tax bills will go up that much because there still are there still are limitations on the levy. Remembering that we're talking mm-hmm. about the levy that we still have levy caps in place, and uh, uh, if your if the assessed valuations all go up significantly, then what all usually follows is that the tax rate goes down because the levy it has uh, certain caps and 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 freeze freezing on uh, on the total levy collected and so um, and so i've i 've not seen any of the proposals that say you have to pay one percent uh, there is just a cap so that if the levy grows to a certain amount and if your assessed valuation in the total taxing unit isn 't enough to cover that levy. The most your taxes could be would be 1 percent of your assessed valuation, but that's up to 1 percent. And I think a lot of people are confused about that because uh, I've, I've had a lot of people say, well, my taxes are going to double uh, because I only pay a half of 1 percent now of my assessed valuation. But that not, that's not necessarily true as long as the assessed valuation of the total taxing unit continues to go up. If each and every property is assessed uniformly mm-hmm. – 
which includes commercial, industrial, apartments, and residential. And that's what happened this year. There was a shift in the tax assessments from commercial industrial to residential. And it was be- and it's my opinion it was because they didn't have a lot of comparable sales for commercial industrial and therefore they had a lot for residential. So they could increase those based upon sales, but commercial industrial they didn't. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big shift from one class to the other. And Vi is absolutely right. It's up to a maximum of 1 percent. But it's my opinion that if we have another year of correction similar to what we had this year, and there's no guarantee under the current rules that won't happen again or the way the current rules are being interpreted, that that might be a huge increase for some taxpayers again. And taxpayers that are on fixed incomes, in fact, we're all on fixed incomes, retired people or whatever, they want to know the maximum their tax bill can go up from one year to another so they can plan financially for their future. And that's what I'm hearing. All right. We have a phone call. So let's go to the phones. And Ken, Ken? Yes, um, I appreciate your attention to this uh, subject. I have two concerns. I uh, grew up on a farm and and have some farmland, and it just doesn't seem like uh, there's anything addressing. I mean, I think it sounds like they're going to treat farms as businesses, and farms, uh, as you can imagine, take the biggest hit of practically any businesses because they involve a lot of land. Uh, they also can involve unproductive land uh, like forests and, and uh, you know, areas that, that can't be tilled. And uh, so my, my first question is about, is about that, and I have a second. I don't know if you want me to do one at a time. Let's, or... let's take the first one. All right. Okay. Well, ag land is uh, assessed in a different way. It is a different classification. Uh, the, the Supreme Court decision in the town of St. John that overturned our uh, previous uh, assessment uh, procedure um, said that we could have classifications of different different kinds of property as long as there was a state interest in doing so. And the, and the state general assembly has found a, a, a state interest in protecting and preserving uh, farmland. And so farmland is um, a, a different classification of property, and it would it is not included as a business property. And by the way, just so everyone understands, in the governor's proposal, that's not the one that's been introduced. However. However, in legislation, but in the governor's proposal, um, the one percent cap on one uh, percent of the assessed valuation cap on residential property uh, is uh, grows to two percent for rental properties and three percent for commercial and industrial properties. But it excludes agricultural land. Okay, well that 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 is. Uh, I have does a, that help? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I have another that, response uh, to that, Ken. If it's okay, yeah. uh, the current process to value how much farmland is, they use a study out of Purdue based upon the productivity of the land per acre. And uh, that assessment value is presently 880 an acre, and it's going to 1,040 next year. But that's based on the productivity of the land. So Vi is absolutely right. We are trying to to price farmland completely different and based upon its productivity, which only sounds fair based upon what I believe the current laws are. Well, that's very reassuring. Uh, my other basic position is I've, I've heard some people talk about getting rid of the property tax. And at first I just thought, well, this will never happen. This is so radical, extreme, whatever. And then as I thought about it, I thought, well, we got rid of an inventory tax. And part of the reason I'm, in my sense is, is that we, we figured that a lot of people counting things really didn't produce anything new of value and wasted a lot of people's time. It seems like that same principle actually applies to property tax, that, that the state is spending millions of dollars going around counting things, and uh, it just seems I, I'm beginning to think maybe it's so broke that, that it can't be fixed, and, and why not just get rid of it and, you know, double the sales tax, double uh, the income tax? I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no relationship between having property and being able to pay for the property taxes. And uh, I just don't want to see elderly people, and myself included, when I become in that category, kicked out of their houses. And yet I've had people, when I go to the courthouse, say, well, if you can't afford the property tax, sell your house. It's a valuable piece of property. Let's get some reaction. Bye. Um, well, I, I agree with 
your statement that uh, property taxes is not necessarily a measure of one's ability to pay uh, revenue for to receive services. There is, however, a nexus in in my opinion uh, with uh, between property and the services that that property receives. For instance, uh, police and fire issues, uh, those kinds of things, and um, uh, sidewalk repair, and you know those kinds of things that are directly related to property. I do think there's a nexus. I think that there are arguments that can be made that um, that the legal judiciary side of, uh, of government perhaps is not uh, directely related to property and, and, uh, and you probably can make the case that schools uh, are a, a state expenditure because it's a, a state constitutional requirement that we provide uh, education to all of our students. So I think there are cases to be made for some for some things, but I but I don't want anybody to think that there isn't that there isn't an, some nexus between the property one owns and uh, and resides on and the services that local government provides to that property uh, because there is now now. If you do, uh, if we did get a, do away with property taxes, and I, I think there are some good arguments to be made to to do that. You have we have to be willing. You, Ken, and me, Vi, and Milo, and Bob, and everybody else have have to be willing to replace those revenues because we're, we <laughs> we need to replace those services. And so when you start thinking about uh, replacing the $8 billion right now that are collected for property taxes statewide with sales tax, it means going to about 13.5% sales tax, which would make us way over any any other state in the nation. And, and then people would be going to neighboring right. states to yeah. buy things. You right. bet. And uh, for personal income tax, that would mean an increase of from 3.4%, which we have a flat rate now of 34 It would go to about 9 or so. Uh, Almost triple. Uh, yes. yes, and so we're talking about significant dollars here, and uh, and that's what is bothering me about this whole discussion, which I believe is partially motivated by public policy discussions, but also partially motivated by political uh, ramifications um, and political fear that we do something right now, right away, and uh, and you know we're gonna we're gonna we got to do it quickly before we have a chance to talk about the big public policy issues. You know, should we have property taxes? What is the right and fair and equitable way to pay for local government services, for parks and for sidewalks and for trash pickup and all of those things? What are, and, and property taxes may or may not be the, the, the right funding stream, but if we don't have time to talk about it and debate it yes. and hear from the public about all of these things, if we're just reacting emotionally and politically, uh, I'm afraid that we're going to make mistakes. And that's that's what's bothering me about this whole discussion. You know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to participate. But doing something this complicated in in two months' time is really going to be very difficult. Um, And let me give you some examples. We have traditionally had a balance, a very delicately kept balance between how many how much revenue is raised in the commercial sector from industry and and commercial interests and how much revenue is raised from individuals and how much is raised from agricultural interests um, and if we just keep moving things around and band-aiding uh, and and taking one tax out of the mix to deal with at at a time, then we mess up that balance. Um, and you know, at at some point, we we have gone now over the last couple of years from uh, to uh, more more de- uh, dependence on individual revenue collections income and sales and individual property taxes and less on the commercial side. And it seems to me that that has to be corrected as well in this bi- in the big picture. All right. Milo, you want to? I agree with almost everything I said. Uh, we need Isn't to be... this amazing? It is. That's the way it's supposed to work. work. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're working for taxpayers, That's not right. our parties. <laughs> and I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, 
we don't need to have a knee-jerk reaction just like Vi said. It's, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to make a decision and do it right now. And I'm afraid that we're going to make decisions uh, to just hopefully get reelected and not do what's best for taxpayers. And we need to thoroughly think out everything that we do before we do it and have a discussion with all of the people that are in the trenches to see if it'll work. Not just sit in our big chairs in Indianapolis and say, oh, that's a good idea. That sounds good. Voters will like this. Let's get out in the trenches. And, and we're probably going to have to delay a lot of these things that we're looking at today to have time to thoroughly think them out, research them, talk to our local elected officials and ask them what's going to work best. Uh, which brings me into another question, and I want to talk about the rebate process before we leave. Sure. All right. Well, we have another caller on the phone, but I think I'm going to ask her to wait, Valerie, to wait because we've hit uh, time for our break. Uh, our guest today, Vice Simpson, State Senator Vice Simpson and State Representative Milo Smith, and we're talking about the upcoming session of the General Assembly. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info The holiday season is upon us, and, well, what do you get for the Prairie Home Companion lover on your list? Garrison Keeler and company are coming to the IU Auditorium in Bloomington on February 16th for a live national broadcast. Premium seating with access to post-show VIP reception still available. More information available at wfiu.org. About it. By the way, I'm welcome back to Noon Edition. <laughs> We're just chatting here along in the break, so welcome back. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with uh, State Senator Vi Simpson and State Representative Milo Smith. We're talking about uh, we've been talking about property tax reform the entire first half of the session or, or, or the session the show, and we'll. <laughs> We'll talk, I'm sure, more about that. Uh, it will the be the half. session, too. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about that and about uh, reorganization of uh, county government and a lot of other things in the second half of the program. If you if you want to join us, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 if you're in Columbus or any place outside of Bloomington. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we're going to have to go very quickly to the phone because Valerie's been very patient. Valerie? Um, yeah, I hardly know where to start because this <laughs> is an infinitely complex issue here. But uh, uh, first of all, I just want to make the comment that if I remember correctly, when the you know this court ruling and all that and changing the property tax system that was based on the you know they, we need to have this assessment based on some true market value. Well, my my argument to abolish property taxes completely is that. I don't, you know, I have a, I've taken some real estate courses, and I do have a science background for what that's worth. And you know, in in my judgment, there are way too many variables in trying to assess the value of a property for it to ever be fair. And case in point, um, you know, whatever formula you're going to use for you know like properties or or how other properties have sold. Um, you know, my property, which I purchased 30 years ago, you know, a year after I purchased the property, I had a, a junkyard move in next door. You know, no no assessor or formula that I've ever studied, you know, is, is taking into account what in real estate you're taught are the three most important things in determining the value of a piece of property is location, location, and location. Well, you know, are they going to compare similar properties that have a junkyard next door? No. And so I, I guess to sum up, I don't see any way that assessing property is ever going to be fair. And I have to agree with the gentleman that, you know, putting a cap on the percentage of your assessed value is, is really not the issue. There needs to be some limit on this ever-increasing assessment 
But I'm in favor of doing away with the whole system because I think millions of dollars are being thrown away trying to figure out how to do it fairly. And, and the other point is that I quickly want to make is that, and I'm, I'm certainly in this case, that there really in many cases is, is no uh, connection between the fact that somebody may have been able to purchase a piece of property over their lifetime and their ability to keep paying every year. You know, I'm extremely low income due to health reasons. I can't work full time. And, you know, that's not taken into account. I get this bill every year that I'm supposed to cough up the money. And, and um, I think if they are going to continue with property taxes, which I would like to see done away with, then there needs to be some kind of um, provision for extremely low income people because there really are people who lose their homes. Um, because they can't pay their taxes, and that's in my—that's just inconscionable, I believe. So I guess that's the end of my comments. It's really not, <laughs> right. but, but I know you are running out of time. Yeah. All right, Valerie. Thanks a lot. Any well, reaction to? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Val- Valerie. You—you um, you really bring me to. Um, well, first of all, you put us in a bad position of having to defend property taxes when I don't think we want to be in that position um, because over the years I've, I've uh, done what I could to, uh, to try to eliminate or, or at least decrease our dependence on property taxes uh, for local government services. Um, but I can tell you the reason – uh, property taxes are very attractive for t- to local governments and to school corporations is because you get that bill every year and because the economy goes down or because a junkyard moves in next door or because or because uh, you you ha- because of health reasons aren't able to work your you your own um, income level has gone down your property taxes are stable and uh, and so the stability has always been a factor for consideration. Um, but there is one other issue that I want to mention about property taxes that I think is is really legitimate. Um, remember that there are a lot of property taxpayers, not just individuals like you, not just homeowners who live in their own uh, residence. There are uh, uh, big commercial enterprises. There are big farms, both family farms and big, you know, commercial uh, farms. And there are all kinds of uh, of land and property owners. Uh, in some cases, the uh, the only tax that is paid by some of the very largest companies in the state of Indiana are property taxes because they are able through tax law to get out of paying income tax. In- income and profit is very easy to Coming hide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so um, remember that any property tax relief that is given is usually given – uh, across the board. And so it isn't always focused on homeowners, number one, and it isn't always focused on the homeowners who need the tax relief. Now, I don't mean this to sound to sound partisan at all, but let me give an example. The governor lives in a several million dollar home in a gated community in Hamilton County. I'm not sure he needs the same kind of property tax relief, Valerie, that you do. And in a situation where everybody gets the same, not in dollar amount, but the same percentage of property tax relief, who gets the most? Uh, Eli Lilly and Governor Mitch Daniels. And so, you know, I, uh, I would like to see property tax relief focused on the people who need it, there should be income tests, for instance, for property tax relief. There should be there should be deferral opportunities for people in your situation where your income has fallen and where you can't afford to pay any increases in the property tax, but perhaps uh, perhaps that the increase is deferred until the property is sold at some future date. Other states do it that way, and it works beautifully. Um, but and I've introduced that bill over the years, and I too have been ignored, Milo. <laughs> Uh, and so, um, you know, I think there are it's, – it's very complicated and just saying that we're going to do away with property taxes um, sounds like a simple answer, but it adds oh, several more layers of complications to the problem. Well, yeah, my I agree also, Valerie, that we need to look and be compassionate for people who aren't avail- 
aren't able to pay an increasing tax amount or even what they paid last year. And we need to look at the deductions and the legislature has uh, approved a number of them, but we need to improve upon the people like yourself who aren't able – are low income and aren't able to work and maintain their – type of living used to have. We don't want you to be forced out of your home. So we need to look at how we can approve, improve upon that deduction so that you can stay in your home, you yeah, and other people. We have a lot of callers. But I, I want to mention also, I mean, because I think that it's, we have to go back to this over and over. If we do away with property taxes, you're going to have to replace those taxes with something. So Vi, you've talked about the complexity. If we replace it with a, a much larger income tax, then is that going to be a flat tax? Or is the person that's making a million dollars a year in the state going to pay the same percentage as the person who's making, uh, you know, $20,000 in the state. And if it's a sales tax, is everybody, depending on, no matter what their income, going to pay taxes on their milk and bread and eggs? Or are we going to be exempting certain things to try to help the people in the lower income? Are we going to expand that to services so that everybody has to collect So you've got to have, you've got to have that same, you've got to have that levy. You've got to have the same amount of money coming in or something Unless we consolidate government and cut costs. Now, the other thing is I... I will never – and never is a long time – I will never <laughs> support taxing food to feed your family. But so we put a seven, 6 or 7 percent sales tax on groceries and you have a tough time making ends meet. I will never support you feeding your family 6 or 7 percent less because you're trying to feed them on the same revenue. So I won't support that yeah. ever. So there, there are lots – this is a big issue. It's yes. a huge and issue. And we have some people who want to talk about it. OK, good. Steve, Stephen, go ahead. Yes, I have a quick uh, – a couple quick questions requiring specific answers. I wondered if it's ba- if the real taxes now are based on property value, why in a slumping market with foreclosures and properties, even in my neighborhood, sitting on the market for over a year, are the taxes still going up? So you look at your tax thing, the market's down, and your taxes are up. And a lot of that seems to be on land value. And I think what they do is they sample different, uh, when land comes up for sale, they sample it. But in Bloomington, there aren't any lots for sale. Everything's occupied. So how do they keep increasing the land value and they have no comparator because there aren't any lots for sale? And I come in in a down market, the taxes are still up. Let's yeah. go with Milo from yes. the trenches. Thank you. The market, you're absolutely right. The market changes every year. And that's one of the reasons that uh, our legislature decided before I was there that we need to trend every year. But the values we're using are based upon 2004 and 2005 sales, not 2006 or 2007 sales. So it's always a couple of years in arrears. And that's why. And that's a very valid observation, Stephen. You're absolutely Absolutely right, and uh, I fight uh, that every I day. In a couple of years, it never does go down <laughs> when they do the 2005. But we'll see. We'll see. Right. And then the other one about the lots. Yeah, uh, the lots. There are a number of unimproved lots, and and this gets real complicated. And I'll try to make it real simple. Uh, unimproved lots are easier to value how much that acreage is selling for per acre. If you have an improvement on it, it could limit the value that land could bring or the whole parcel because of that improvement. Uh, if you have a car wash on it and you want to put uh, a fast food, you're going to have to tear the car wash down and build a new building. So it gets real complicated. And I, every time I appeal an assessment, I always focus on the unimproved sales and not the improved sales to get a true value of the land. But then you have to take into consideration what's the value and use this land has per this improvement. If I have a fast food on it, it's probably going to be worth a lot more than a car wash okay. or a warehouse. Yeah, thank you. All right, Stephen. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Let's go now to Eleanor. Eleanor? Hi. Hi. Uh, I forgot it's been so long. (laughs) 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 Lot to talk about. Answer me a question. Last year, my taxes were four hundred and twenty bucks for twice. Okay. Eight forty. Pardon? Eight forty total. Right. And then this year, oh, and my house was uh, ninety-seven thousand dollars. This year, after I screamed, yelled, and hollered, uh, the house became 150000 which is 50% more than before. Yes. My taxes this year, 1600 bucks. And if wow. I can't figure out who to talk to to say, hey, <laughs> this is nuts, because um, you go down to the local place in the city courthouse, and the guy says, well, you approved of that over the phone. <laughs> well, they put a couple of screwball things in there besides uh, one of them is a piece of roofing that's not a roof a roof lying flat on the ground 3600 bucks it was assessed for what 
Uh, all right, let's see if we can get a reaction here. Milo, you wanna... Yes, Eleanor, your assessment, uh, you're absolutely right, did increase 50 percent, but your tax bill almost doubled. And I answered that earlier. There, if every assessed property in the whole county would have gone up 50 percent, then the tax bills theoretically would have been the same as they were last year except for the increase in the amount of revenue that was needed for the units. So what happened is there was a shift from commercial industrial properties as a whole. speaking English? <laughs> I know. There was a shift from commercial industrial – from business properties to residential. So residential assessments went up no, more than – Wait, 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 wait. If you were to uh, take my assessed valuation from last year – Yes. And multiply it by the $2 and something for the rate of so many dollars per hundred. Right. Uh, the guy at the local assessor's office said, well, it went down. The, your, uh-huh. rate, your rate went your down. Rate your rate went, went down. down. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And so I said, well, I think we better do the math over again. But anyway, then this year, I got the new thing the other day. And They're what out. they did was the same amount as last year, grand total, except the value of the land went down and the value of the, or the, value of the land went up. <laughs> And the value of the house went down. I thought that was kind of cute. But the uh, the, the, the reason, yeah. uh, Eleanor, that those notices came out is to give you an opportunity to appeal your assessment. I know that. I appeal all the time. And I paid so thirty six thousand dollars for this house and twenty nine cents for the land. And what? I'm trying to figure out. Geez, I, I said if you would give me two hundred and some thousand dollars for this house, I'll be out of here in a week. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. Eleanor, yeah. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to let them react to this, but we're, then we're going to move on. We've got more callers on the phone. Yeah. Eleanor, I'll try to get, state this in a way that's easy to understand. If there's a commercial property in your area that was valued at $97,000 last year and your house was valued at ninety-seven, it's my opinion that your house was raised to one fifty, but the commercial property or the business property was only raised maybe to one ten. So there's a shift in the assessed value from – from the commercial or business property to yours. So your assessed value went up higher than residential. Assessed values went up higher than commercial industrial. And that's why you're paying more. Okay. Thank now, you. Now, let's hope, let's hope she understood that. But it's very complex. It complex, is. And we're not going to be able to answer all the individual the details, questions yeah. that, that people have here today. But we do have another caller, and it's Robert. Robert, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the last two callers have taken up part of my arguments here. <laughs> but the property tax is a tax on an unrealized gain. One of your callers had been in her house 30 years and paid, say, 30000 for it. Now they say it's worth 130 That's an unrealized gain. You don't know That's what right. something's worth till you sell it. Yep. And this is killing. I'm, I'm uh, pretty close to her status, too, and, and this kind of stuff is killing us. Uh, another man made the point that housing prices are trending down, down by big numbers in mm-hmm. a large part of the country. Is that going to be reflected in our property taxes? It's I supposed it. to be. It, it will be, yeah, it will yeah, be yeah, in yeah. the future. <laughs> I got some other, two other quickies here. Okay, go right ahead. This idea of abatements. we got to get us a new ind- industry in here, and they're going to spend $100 million for a factory, but we're not going to get property tax all of, off of it for 10 or 15 years. I don't think that's right. And then there's a whole bunch of so-called nonprofits, a lot of hospitals, for example, running around building all this stuff. They don't pay a penny. I don't think that's right. They're making a profit or they wouldn't be doing that. All right. Let's turn to Vi first. Well, Robert, you you have brought up a new issue. Uh, it's not a new issue, but it, it uh, part of the complexity of this issue. Uh, there are a whole lot of properties, particularly in Monroe and Brown counties, that are, don't pay any property tax at all. Uh, either they're owned by the federal government or the state in terms of uh, forest land or uh, the university uh, or any any other uh, – a whole lot of other co- companies or <laughs> – properties. Um, but you also have not-for-profit organizations that don't pay taxes. In this in this county, the hospital is a not-for-profit. Uh, I don't know which county you're calling from, but uh, in Bloomington, for instance, Monroe County Hospital is a not-for-profit. They don't, they don't pay property taxes. Um, and um, and then there are a whole lot of churches in Brown County, which I also represent, uh, something like 52 percent of the property, the total property in Brown County is off the tax rolls because of not-for-profit or government ownership. Um, that puts a significant shift 
on the on the taxpayers who are, do own property and who are paying taxes. And um, and there are bills, frankly, that are being introduced that uh, that are going to try and address some of these issues. Uh, if not paying property taxes, then perhaps there are some not-for-profits that should contribute at least to remember that nexus I talked about early on to police and fire and other kinds of services that they receive should some of those not-for-profits, including state-owned properties, um, pay for the services they receive. All right, Milo. Thank you. And uh, Robert, you're absolutely right, and I don't know whether you heard me earlier – I believe that we need – and Vi introduced this a number of years ago, and I don't know how recently she introduced it. But I believe that when you buy a property, you know what that property is worth. If you buy a property for $100,000, you know what it's worth. And we ought to limit the amount that property can increase and assess value until it's sold again. If you sell it again in 10 years and it's worth $200,000, then the new buyer knows it's worth $200,000 and they know what they're getting into. I would agree with that. So – Yes, I had that legislation several years ago, but that was before everybody liked to – everybody wanted to talk about property taxes. <laughs> so so right. maybe I'll try it again. What do you think? All right, Robert. I got a suggestion for you legislators. Uh, why don't you try putting a freeze, just a plain old freeze on all government expenses instead of continually trying to fund growing, growing government? Okay, we're going to get a reaction to that, Robert, and we'll uh, talk to you maybe next week. Thanks. Thank you. The governor uh, just announced a 5 percent across-the-board cut because of that very reason. It looks like we're not going to have the revenues that we anticipated. So uh, that's something that we need to be looking at and on a continuous basis, not just when the revenues aren't there, but how do we, uh, how do we bank a little of this money? I think I, – I, I, I think that is uh, – that's important. We ought to be sure we're doing everything we can to keep the cost of government down. Uh, but let's uh, let's remember that um, there are inflationary costs uh, to fund to fund schools. There are uh, salary costs. There are health insurance costs um, to fund schools to fund local government um, uh, and all of the other uh, services. And and the fastest growing. Let me repeat this now because this is really important. The fastest growing expenditure in the state budget. The fastest growing, not the the largest, but the fastest growing expenditure is property tax relief. Uh, $8 billion is collected every year in property taxes. The state of Indiana pays $2 billion of that, of your property tax bill, of all of our tax, property tax bill. And that's the fastest growing part of our budget. All right. We've got to go on. We've got uh, – I think property taxes are going to be a big issue this year. You you're, think? You're I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think we need so. to get and you prepared. You know what? I have other issues I, I want to talk about. I know. We have a, we have two more callers. Next in show, the, uh, the callers are in charge. Ken, okay. go ahead. Yes. Um, well, there's a situation I, I hope you find interesting. I, I came. It's not about me. I know of a plot of land on Lake Monroe in Bloomington, two and a half acres that has been appraised amazingly cheaply at two thousand five hundred. In other words, a thousand dollars an acre. And I'm thinking, why can't they sell it? Well, it's completely surrounded by government land. It has no utilities. You probably couldn't build on it. You couldn't put a septic on it. Nevertheless, the property tax on this piece of land is 3000 a year. In other words, 500 more than the appraised value of the land. Yeah, we're mystified by that. Yeah, there's an obvious mistake. I would contact uh, the county treasurer and your assessor, and that should be taken care of. It's not my piece of property, and it's never going to sell like that. The other thing I wanted to just mention is um, uh, I know of a farmhouse where uh, there is a uh, a six-by-six well cover that was assessed as a detached patio. And we were having to pay an extra $100 a year for the well cover. That's Call uh, your assessor. Yeah, right. All right, Ken. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, we're going to take one more call today, and it's coming from Roger. Roger? Uh, yes. Um, I am glad to hear some of the things you've said today, Vi, because what you put out as a constituent questionnaire a couple of years ago assumed that all of, none of us believed in property tax. Well, I believe in it very much. And I think it's my favorite tax because it pays for what I can see close to home. Um, in contrast to the war spending of the federal government, and I'm really more confident of what my property taxes are paying for than a lot of the other things in state and federal. Um, and I think that the case should be made for increasing homestead and other deductions because the people who are clamoring the most for 
property tax reform or doing away with it. I think are the holders of expensive properties, and I can see no reason why the accumulation of wealth in property should be exempt from taxation. I am, I'm in the best house I've ever lived in. I'm glad to pay the tax on it, and I hope you will um, understand that some of us out here believe in this tax. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Roger. Okay. I've saved you guys each a minute and a half. We have three minutes to go in the program. So, Vi, what else do you want to talk about today? Oh, my. I'd love to talk about health care. I'm still not giving up on single-payer health coverage. Uh, I believe every man, woman, and child in the state of Indiana should have access to health insurance. I'm not giving up on that, and and I'm going to be pushing for that this this session and every session until it passes. Okay. That's pretty Milo. quick. Yeah, well, we'll thank you. we got more things to talk about. Uh, I also think health care is real important. And uh, recently a constituent called me and said, uh, in foster homes, we don't uh, prohibit those foster parents from smoking. If we believe that secondhand smoke is dangerous to children, we ought to be looking at that. And so that's something that, that I've got on the table for this session in addition to property taxes. And I believe that we need to protect our children, especially those at risk and those in foster homes. Well, we could have a whole program about tobacco and smoking bills. There's uh, also going to be a bill introduced that passed a a study committee this summer for a statewide smoking ban that matches Bloomington's uh, and uh, Monroe County's ordinances. So uh, uh, that wasn't ruled unconstitutional. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> in I fact, got you back. I would I would say people in Bloomington like that yes. pretty much. I think that's true. Let's uh, okay. In the last minute and a half or so that we have in the program, just a word or two about the uh, the reorganization, state government reorganization plan. One of the ideas to do away with townships. You mentioned that. Uh, another idea to have a county manager doing away with the county commissioners. Uh, one of the things that I'm really con- interested in is the whole school consolidation issue. Just any one point for 30 seconds or so? I've got a quick one. Okay. If we have uh, 293 school corporations in the state for 92 counties, is there a way we can look at consolidating those in some way for, uh, for more efficiency? And I don't know whether there is or not, but we ought to be talking to the school superintendents and asking them, is there any way we can can consolidate and what type of legislation would that have to be? How can we look at ways to improve education and make it more efficient? And uh, less costly, mm-hmm. and that might be one way. Yeah, I think I think the best we can hope for in the short session. I hate predicting, but uh, is is that we will consolidate the assessment of duties and authority in the county assessor. Although I think it'll be an elected assessor and not a uh, an appointed too. assessor, as the governor wishes, uh, particularly if he gets to appoint them, and <laughs> um, and and that we will do away. Uh, with the uh, township trustee assessor duties and perhaps the uh, elected assessors as well. All right. Well, thank you. We have run out of time. This property tax issue just... It sucked up our time. It, exactly. That's right. Exactly my point. I have a whole list of bills I want to talk about. All right. Well, <laughs> You'll have th- to have me back. We will have you back. Milo will have you back, too. Thanks a lot. Thank to you, S- State Senator Vice Simpson, State Representative Milo Smith. For Will Murphy and Mike Pashkash, who are here today, and for Mary Catherine Carmichael and Catherine Hegman, who are often here, have a Merry Christmas. You're listening to Noon Edition. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Holidays. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org.